0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Well, hello everyone and welcome. It's good to see you again. I'm now on the other side of the studio, or as Phil called it earlier, Freedom Towers. Um, it's good to be here exploring this idea of church around the table. And we started last week with the idea that we may be apart, we may be in different homes, but we are one family. We're one family, many homes, one church, many tables. And so we started last week with the first week, talk about you are invited, that you're invited to the heavenly table, that God invites you. And I want to say, if you've not seen last week's, do go back and check that one out. uh, To Start off with the first part of our series, You Are Invited. This is part two, and we want to talk together about this idea of church around the table. This was something I experienced loads when I was growing up. My parents uh, put the idea of a table and the, the table time, the meal time being really important to us as a family. And for that reason, we were a big family. I'm one of six children. And so we would have lots of rules around the table, uh, things you were meant to do, things like um, no talking with your mouth full or um, elbows off the table. I never understand why you're meant to have elbows off the table but I know you're not meant to and I've done the same by telling my children that. Or we'd always say grace, we'd always pray before we ate our food that if we have guests, and we would often have guests, then our guests would get the first uh, of the meal. They would be offered their food first. The family would hold back. They were some of the rules that we were told. And growing up, and Lottie and I, as we've had our own family, had our own times around the table, we've used many of those same rules. Maybe you do in your home. The only rule we probably added, which my parents didn't need to have when we were younger, was no mobile phones around the table. We don't have mobile phones around the table. We say to our kids, no, we're not having those around the table. We want to spend time together. Sometimes my children, they're a bit cheeky. Sometimes they will put their hand under the table and they will pretend to text. And then I'll tell them off and they'll go, ha, just kidding, I've got no phone on me. And I'll thank you for that. Well, I want you to know I'm in good company because Steve Jobs, who invented the iPhone, wouldn't allow his family to have devices around the table either. And so there was some of our rules. And as a family, it's important to us, our time around the table. And those rules are there for a reason. They're there because we want to have quality time together, quality family time. We want to give one another our attention. We want to hear stories. We want to hear what they've been doing. We want to hear the values we share as a family. And yes, we want some food. Because what we pay attention to grows. What we give our time to grows. You become what you give your attention to. And so I want to um, title my talk today, Your Attention Please. In, in the way that when you go on a railway platform, you hear that voice come from a tannoy above your head and it says, your attention please. And you listen, you can hear nothing of what they're saying. You know some train has been delayed, but you're not sure if it's your train or not. But the, it got your attention. And I want to talk today about our attention around the table. I don't know what rules you had growing up around your table, whether you had the same as the ones I've mentioned earlier, about elbows off table, not talk with mouthful, uh, family hold back. Um, but, you know, what you do about your mobile phones, I don't know what you do now. Or do you eat round a table? Maybe the table isn't somewhere you eat. Maybe you have a different um, habit in your home. Do you have guests come regularly around your table? Are, Are you a busy family dashing in and out from one event to the next? Do you have time to eat together? Do you have time for one another as a family or time for those who may come and join you? Are your meal times, are they significant and valuable or are they just an extra to your day? Apparently, according to research, I don't know how they do this, but apparently 60 years ago, the average mealtime in the evening for a family was 90 minutes, an hour and a half of mealtime. Nowadays, they say the average, if you have a mealtime at all, is around 12 minutes spent around the table. You see, but the table is more than just a place of eating. The table is a place of formation and of learning and it starts as we gather and giving it our attention. The table is more than a meal, it's more than sharing food. As Leonard Sweet says, as we sit and eat together, we don't just pass food around, fellow diners pass bits of themselves back and forth as we tell stories. And the table is more like a mortar of community and it's the grout of grace, I love that phrase he uses, the grout of grace. The table is this thing that glues us all together and builds a sense of community. He goes on and says, faith without a table is an unstable faith. Clever use of words there. Faith without a table is an unstable faith. Your table time is an important time as you give your attention to each other. As I mentioned last week, in the Bible, there, there is lots of talk around tables. The table is this great symbol. It talks about welcome, nourishment, family, belonging, agreement. And throughout the, ta- the Bible, there are stories of Jesus around the table, some of which we've already looked at, and some we're gonna look at in the weeks to come. But Jesus broke many of the table rules that I've talked about of his day. He had rules those days and he broke them. He created new table manners. He ate on fast days. He ate with dirty hands, i.e. he didn't do the ceremonial washing. He ate with tax collectors. He called one of them out of a tree and said, you know what, I'm coming to your house for a meal time. And he invited himself round. He, he drank water from a well uh, that was, uh, from a bucket, from a well that was given to him by a lady of questionable repute and he upset people when he did that. He turned water into wine, which has confused Christians for thousands of years. And he turned a boys packed lunch into a fish supper for thousands. Jesus loved food and he broke many of the rules around food. John Leclerc said these words. He said, Jesus ate good food with bad people. He ate good food with bad people. I like that idea. And that can sum up so much of what Jesus did. He went to the edges of society and ate with those who others didn't approve of. Jesus, as we know, had no home that he called a a place of his own home. He probably ate out with guests or as a guest in people's homes many, many times. And whenever he was invited, he may have been the guest, but having Jesus in your home means you always get more than food. You always get more than just a mealtime together. You've got the presence of God in human form around your table. What a special moment that must have been. Jesus had time for people. He gave them his full attention. He sat with them and listened to them while the religious people watched him. They observed him. Often mealtimes would be outside because it'd be a warm climate and they would stand and they would watch him and they would be unimpressed with him but Jesus came not to impress people, but to be with people, to give them a hope, to give them a future, to reconcile them to God. He wasn't there trying to wow people, he was trying to be with people. I wonder if we're guilty, especially when we use social media like Instagram, are we trying to wow people with our activity? Or are we trying to be with people, spend time with them, to connect with them? In Luke 15, Uh, the religious leaders are watching Jesus eat and they make this comment, they say this, they say, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And they're complaining, he's he's welcoming sinners and eating with them. And the word there they use, this word prosdekete, and prosdekete is a Greek word. And it basically, the word means welcome, but it's so much more than welcome. When he welcomes people, what the word there is, is not just receiving them, but he's ante- eagerly anticipating them. He's looking forward to their arrival. He was excited to see them. He can't wait to meet with them and give them his full attention. That was what the word welcome means. It's almost like, you know, the story of the prodigal son, where the father is on the porch looking out for his son to return home and he's desperate to see him. That's what Jesus was like when he sat and he ate with his newfound friends. He was eagerly anticipating their arrival. He wasn't like, I guess, some of us might be, oh, so and so has come around for a meal soon. Oh, we're going to have to get our house all tidied up. We're going to have to get the food. We're going to have to prepare. He wasn't like, what a frustration. He was excited by having people around the table. What you pay attention to grows. Giving your attention to the table, giving your attention to the people around the table is so important. God wants our time. He wants our attention. He wants us to sit and be with him because He wants to be with us. So people, your attention, please. Your attention, please. Your attention reflects your intention. What you're planning to do starts with your attention. Attention is the beginning of devotion. That idea of love at first sight. I remember the moment I first saw my wife, Lottie. She had my full attention. I was like, wow. And that was a start of a lifelong devotion to somebody. It starts with attention. It's the beginning of devotion. Jesus wants your attention because he wants your devotion. The greatest act of love is your undying, undivided attention. Give somebody your attention and they will know that you really, truly care about them. But paying attention does cost you. It doesn't cost you financially, but it will cost you in different ways. Giving someone your full attention means you're going to have to disconnect from other things going around you. Attention is the purest form of generosity. It's the purest form. You know, sometimes it's easy to give financially. Sometimes it's easy to kind of put a present through the post or go onto Amazon and send someone something. But to give somebody your full, undivided attention, now that can be challenging, but it's so generous. I remember a number of years ago I was speaking at a church um, and I was put up in a hotel the night before and when I arrived at the hotel it was full because there was a wedding taking place in this hotel and uh, it was a Saturday evening and uh, the next morning you know it was noisy and there was just partying people were enjoying themselves and I had to walk through slightly embarrassingly through to the wedding uh, through to the reception of the hotel and uh, get myself sorted out and the next morning I came down to breakfast, and in this large dining room, the only people in the whole dining room was myself at one table, and this newly married couple a couple of tables along. And that was us, in the whole of this dining room probably could have seated 60, 70 people. And in the corner, I'll never forget this, in the corner was like a small grand piano playing music. It was a fairly posh hotel, and it had that automated piano where the keys were sort of playing nice, delightful music. And I was by myself and I was observing this newly married couple. And they were there on the first day of their lives together with their phones in their hands, ignoring each other and updating their Facebook status and seeing what people had said about their wedding day the day before. And I'm thinking this should be the day where the phone should be thrown away and your full attention should be on this person you're embarking on the greatest adventure with. You're giving yourself your full attention to the other person. Jesus wants our full attention. And when we gather around the table, both literally and physically, but also when we gather around the table spiritually, we connect with God in new ways. And I'm gonna look at the story of Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 10, there's this story of Jesus and his attention with Mary and Martha and their attention on him. So if we read, if you turn to Luke chapter 10, it starts at verse 38, the the bottom of the chapter. Um, It should be on the screen in front of you. You can follow on screen. Uh, But if not, do have a look in your Bible. It says these words. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. This was the village of Bethany uh, near Jerusalem and and Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, were really good friends of Jesus. Verse 39, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her a well-known story from the Bible. But have you ever had that experience? You are busy uh, running around preparing a meal. People are arriving and your friend, your colleague, your partner, your spouse, they are either busy doing something that's unhelpful or they are just chatting to the guest and not really helping you in the kitchen. Maybe you've had that experience. So busy making food um, that you aren't able to look after your guest properly. It's also worth noting in this story that Mary was sitting in what would traditionally be the men's area of the house. In in Jewish time, in Jesus' times, as a Jew, the men would sit around the table and eat together and the woman would go to the hidden places, the kitchen, and they'd prepare the food and they'd bring the food out and they would present it to the men who would eat it. And then the woman would eat after the meal when everything had been cleared away. I'm not making any statements here, I'm just trying to give you some uh, biblical context at that time. So Mary was actually sitting in the wrong place. She was sitting where she wasn't meant to be. And it didn't seem that Jesus was offended by that fact, that she was in the wrong area. Jesus had no problem with everyone being included, everyone being involved. He didn't separate people out. And Jesus had Mary's full attention. She was sitting and she was engrossed by the stories he was telling. And he might have had Mary's attention whereas he had Martha's activity. Martha was busy doing, Mary was busy being, being present, being in the room with Jesus. How often have we maybe given more to our activity than our attention? We're doing good things for Jesus rather than being with Jesus. As a church leader, I've sometimes been guilty of doing church rather than being with Jesus, spending time with him rather than doing things for him. And sometimes i be like, but but Jesus, I'm doing lots of really good things for you. And he's like, I just want your time, I want your attention, not just your activity. Mary prioritised her attention to Jesus over her activity in the kitchen. And here's the thing about the story: I want you to notice that where Jesus had Mary's attention, Mary had Martha's attention. Martha was too busy looking at Mary to give her attention to Jesus. She was distracted. She was more worried about what her sister was doing than what her saviour was saying. That had become her priority. And she then goes and complains to her guest. Now, if you've ever hosted anyone at all and done hospitality, you don't complain to the guests about what the staff are doing. You have a little quiet word with your family member or the person responsible for the event. But Martha was so fixated on this issue, she forgot about the person of Jesus and who he was. She wanted to fix the problem rather than find time for the person. And Jesus gives her this gentle rebuke and the reason he says dear Martha, or in some versions he repeats her name and says Martha, Martha. It's like a gentle underlining of her name. Martha, you're anxious, you're worried, you're getting frustrated. Mary's chosen a better thing. To, to be present. This one thing he talked about there, he's saying uh, the word there is like best portion. He's, she's chosen the prime rib, the best part of the meal. She's sat there and she's enjoyed the best bit. And you're getting sidetracked, Martha, by things that are not as important. I want to say at this point as well that Mary and Martha, often this story is used in quite a derogatory way. We can say to people, oh, you are such a Martha. You're always working really hard, but not focusing on the important things. Or we say, "Oh, it was such a Mary, you know, you're just sitting around, dreaming. You're not really working or serving or, or getting stuck in. But both these women loved Jesus and they wanted to please him. But the difference is, one was trying to please them through their activity and one was trying to please Jesus through their attention. That's what is important, her attention. Jesus was not saying that Mary was better but that she had chosen a better thing. Hospitality around the table is always about the person. It's never about the food itself. It's never about the environment, and the decoration and the preparation. It's always about giving our attention to our guest, to give them the most generous thing, our undivided attention. There is an ancient saying around hospitality which translates simply as the guest is God. And, and that almost from Matthew 25, where you don't know who you're hosting, that your guest is almost like God, it becomes like God, that you should treat your guests like you would treat God. Or the word hospitality in Greek is the word philoxenia, which comes from the word philo, which means love between friends, and xenos, where we get xenophobia from, the stranger, how we love the stranger as if they were a friend. How we love the stranger as if they were a friend. It's important we love people, or as in 1 Peter 4 reminds us, to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That we welcome people into our homes, to welcome around the table, and to give them our full intention. I don't know who you're inviting, who you're including, how you spend time with people. I know it's challenging right now. Some of us can't even have people around. If you've got six people in your home, it makes it very difficult. But to find time to be with people, to give people our attention, to see people as Jesus does, to be inclusive of all, to connect with our brothers and sisters, to give people our full undivided attention. It's a challenge to me and I'm still working on. How do I give people my full attention? The world is always pulling at me. There's always something popping up on my phone for something else I should be doing, but to give people my full attention. Our church community is all about our relationships with each other, a relationship with God. It's about sitting around the table with Jesus and his children, our brothers and sisters. It's never about the event. It's never about church as an event. It's always about the people that make up the community called church. So I want to ask you today, as I bring this to a close, who has your attention? Who or what has your attention. Are you taking every thought captive? Are you making it obedient to Christ so you are not distracted? Or are we too busy entertaining people We forget that we are in the presence of Jesus himself, the Son of God? Jesus wants our attention, not just our activity. John 6 reminds us, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Don't go after things of the world, but go after things of heaven. Give your energy seeking eternal life and what God might give you. When we give Jesus our attention, he will give us the prime rib, the best portion, more than food. So your attention please. Who are you giving your attention to? You're invited to the table of God. Our role is then to invite others to sit at the same table. Maybe that's an invitation to Alpha where we'll have our virtual table online and say, I would love you to come and meet Jesus who really desperately is eager to meet you and give you his full attention so they can meet Jesus for themselves. Let us pray, shall we? Father God, I thank you that when your son Jesus was here on earth, he gave people his full attention. He sat round tables with people from every extreme of life and he gave them his undivided attention. Father, I pray that we as your followers today here on earth would do likewise. That we would give others our full attention. And Lord, most importantly, we'd give you our full attention. That we wouldn't be distracted by the things of this earth, but we'd spend our energy building up for a future with you in heaven. Lord, help us to be attentive to all that's going on around us. Help us to be aware of what's happening in our communities, in our society, in our nation, in our world at this time, we pray. May we make a difference, not just because of who we are and who we know, but Lord, because of the presence we carry and the attention we give to the people around us. Lord, may we be people who give you our undivided attention, we pray. Amen.